Welcome to the Five Thesis Podcast, where we gather to discuss the five pathways for reforming the Catholic Church. Hello, everyone. I'm Cindy Pena. Today, our focus is on thesis number two, Survivors' Voices. If people so choose, we believe victims of clergy sexual abuse should have a place to tell their stories, in their words, not someone else's. In today's episode, one of the Five Theses founding members, theologian Dr. Liz McCloskey, interviews two journalists who write for Catholic publications and discuss how and where survivors' voices can best be shared and heard. These interviews took place at the Women of the Church Conference in October of 2019. This is Liz McCluskey, and I am at St. Mary's College in South Bend, Indiana, having just attended a very inspiring Women in the Church Conference, where over 150 women gathered uh, from all different places in the country and different ministries and different professions. And I am very privileged to be sitting here with two Catholic journalists who have had quite an impact and continue to have an impact on the conversation about our church and where we are going into the future. With me is Carrie Weber, the executive editor for America, and Heidi Schlumpf, who is a national correspondent for the National Catholic Reporter. And we have been talking about the five theses and specifically about thesis number two, which is about lifting up survivors' voices. And the text of this thesis is, create and publicize a permanent and prominent place in every issue of every diocesan newspaper in the country for survivors of clergy sexual abuse to share their stories. And so I wanted to talk to these women who know a lot more about Catholic journalism than I and uh, get some of their ideas. But first, Carrie, uh, you are executive editor at America Magazine. How long have you been with America? I've been with America for 10 years now. And I've been the executive editor for maybe three. Excellent. And this is a Jesuit publication, a journal of opinion. Correct. And um, has quite an impact on uh, the conversation in the country. I'm trying. So um, tell me what you think about the idea of creating a permanent platform, whether it's in diocesan newspapers or some other place where um, survivors can tell their stories in their own voice. I think that the church's response to the sex abuse crisis always has to put the victims at the center of that. And the concern for the victims must be the first priority and that all um, suffering that comes from this crisis must be in toward a vision of greater solidarity and solidarity with those who have suffered and um, solidarity as a church. I think part of um, figuring out the best way to respond as a church is is to talk to victims, right, and to hear their voices and understand. Um, and I think you'll probably find that there's a range of responses among victims in terms of how um, prominent they want their stories to be. Um, I know we so we did a podcast called Deliver Us uh, about the Catholic sex abuse crisis and where we go from here. And during that 
podcast, the four episodes in the center were just survivor stories. And one of the families was the Fortney sisters. Four of their sis- the sisters were abused by a priest that their family knew. Uh, and one of those sisters um, did not want to talk. Even within the same family, the reaction to the crisis and the reaction to being abused, having even grown up in the same place, the same family, was very different. And the, the way in which they felt they wanted to publicly air those stories was different. Um, and so I think the first um, desire for telling the story should be telling them in a way that the victims are comfortable with, the survivors are comfortable yes. with. Um, and I think the church has a powerful role to play in that. Um, and that the church should be telling these stories. And by the church, the church media is, is definitely... Um, should be playing a role in that, should be playing a, a healing role in that and airing those um, those voices and giving voice um, to that. The, the exact structure of that or the exact format of that um, pro- probably is going to be different in different locations, but I think um, making sure that we don't forget to listen to those voices is really important. Well, thank you for mentioning the Deliver Us. Is that a podcast series that anybody can access you yes. need a subscription mm-hmm. to america magazine no, not at all it's on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts um you can download it all for free it's okay. hopefully a resource to people uh in the church to try to process this um it's it's been hard for everybody no for it's been hardest for the survivor victims but it's it's not easy to um be a member of a church that you know has perpetrated these kinds of crimes. Um, so we're trying to process that together and in, in community, and sometimes it's a podcast community too. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Carrie. And I'm going to turn to Heidi for a minute. Heidi Schlumpf, who um, I believe you started your career at a diocesan, or started at least your Catholic journalism career at a diocesan or archdiocesan newspaper and then worked for U.S. Catholic and now you've been at National Catholic Reporter for a number of years. So you have really quite uh, the gamut of experience in terms of um, independent journalism or journalism that's associated with the institutional church and so it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on this particular idea but also more broadly what you've been doing at National Catholic Reporter, what National Catholic Reporter has been doing to um, elevate and uh, amplify survivors' voices. Okay, yeah, so I've been with National Catholic Reporter for two years as their national correspondent, and I wrote a column for them for a number of years before that. But obviously, NCR's history of covering the sex abuse crisis goes back way farther than uh, my tenure with them, and they were the first to be really breaking this story in the Catholic media and even just in the media in general, going back to 1985. So we have this long history of speaking out, both with uh, investigative and journalistic pieces, but also editorially calling for changes in the way the church was handling or mishandling this. Um, I do think your idea of, uh, and what Carrie said also about the importance of victim stories and their voices is crucial, and it's something we've done in our reporting as well. So I I agree about the importance of of victim and survivor voices, and I also agree with Carrie about how um, letting them decide how they want to share their stories is very important. 
for somebody who has already experienced trauma, giving people control over their own story is essential. Um, I like the idea of, of trying to have a hub where all these stories could be collected. I do have some questions about whether a diocesan newspaper is the best place to do that. There's a lot of variety in diocesan publications these days. When I worked at the uh, Catholic Archdiocesan newspaper, it was called The New World back then, now it's the Chicago Catholic, I was given quite a bit of journalistic freedom, but the, the truth is the bishop, uh, the cardinal, was my publisher. and so. Um, you know, we weren't very critical of our own church hierarchy. So I do think um, since, I, since I've been uh, out of diocesan newspapers, they've changed a lot. So many uh, diocesan newspapers have closed. Many have moved to being more of a PR or a communications vehicle for the archdiocese or diocese because many dioceses are having to make cuts or they don't feel the need to be in the journalism okay, business okay. anymore. Um, so I don't know. It would vary from diocese to diocese about whether they would be open to um, having some sort of regular or permanent place where victims could share their voices. Mm -hmm. um, when journalists interact with victims and survivors, I think um, I've done some training about how to conduct those interviews in ways that are um, sensitive to what they're going through. But then journalists also and primarily what I learned was the importance of believing what they say and asking questions in such a way that indicate that you are not questioning the veracity of what they're saying to you that said as a journalist you have to double prove everything that you put in your stories and so you have to then find other sources that can confirm what anybody's told you about anything mm -hmm. so um so I think that would be a challenge to doing this kind of project, but it doesn't mean that uh, it would be impossible. Yep. So so in the conversations that you've had, Carrie, uh, Carrie or Heidi, uh, with survivors who've wanted their stories told, has a theme been that they haven't been listened to by the institutional church, whether it's their bishop or their pastor or some other representative of the institutional church is that a theme that you've come across in people's own narrative i have not done uh the kind of reporting that you're describing mm -hmm. um i know that from my colleagues who have done this uh there is a theme of not being believed but it is often by literally everyone they tell so mm -hmm. it includes it can in include family members it can include uh, the church, the hierarchy, the bishops, the priests, um, but also, you know, uh, they they show it on, you know, like um, it's highlighted in films like Spotlight, where families just think the father wouldn't do that to you, or they're so ashamed that uh, they might bring, quote unquote, uh, some kind of scandal to somebody that they. Or, the, or even their family. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to be public about it. And those are all understandable. Um, like the, the, the fear of this coming out is, is understandable. It does not mean that no action should be taken or that a person should not be protected. Um, but I think it is a challenge for a lot of people who are victim survivors that they are met with disbelief. Mm -hmm. So I would just add that, yeah, I, and I have interviewed a number of survivors and attended the Survivors Network of Those Abused by priest conference and heard stories there too that yes there is both a feeling of not being heard but and not being believed but also just not getting the action that they're looking for at this point so 
Um, so while being able to get your story out there would be important, I think they're looking for more than that mm-hmm. these days as well. Right. Um, obviously, with the way journalism has changed and the rise of the Internet, people can get their stories out without um, official media <laughs> you know, doing it. But I see the value in Catholic-affiliated media being that medium and w- that would help convey these stories and why that would be important and validating for victims and survivors. Right. Well, I know for me personally, um, being able to hear people's stories and come to know people who've been personally affected, either as a victim themselves or a family member, um, the impetus for changes that we need in our church seem to come most strongly when the scope of those experiences is recognized and the the depth of pain that's been caused, the loss of faith that's been caused, the the shame um, that families have felt. That impetus for change, at least for me, has come more strongly as I've heard more stories. And so uh, it seems there would be value to every person in the Catholic Church having some greater knowledge and empathy that could spur on some of the practical changes. I think that's one reason that the Pennsylvania grand jury report was so powerful, even though it was telling stories primarily of things that had happened in the past, because it was very uh, graphic and serious in its depiction of what happened. And some people were hearing that for the first time or for the first time in a new way. we at NCR and I personally am very aware of the power that we have in the media to um, determine what people are talking about and to let people tell their stories and to help people tell their stories. And so I definitely want to be a part of holding up those stories that can help institute positive change for the church. Mm-hmm. Well, I myself am very grateful for both of you for spending this time talking about this with me, but also grateful for the publications that you work for. Um, in creating conversation and providing um, information and understanding and hope for our church and the future of our church. So thank you for your good work. Thank you. You heard Carrie Weber mention the Deliver Us podcast. We encourage you to listen in as the podcast team delves into the many questions about clergy sex abuse and how Catholics and the church can move forward. You'll find Deliver Us on the America Magazine website and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thesis number two is Survivors' Voices. There are four other theses that include full transparency of abuse, simple living of the clergy, putting women in church leadership, and praying, praying for a reformed Catholic church. For more information about the five theses, please go to our website, the number 5 thesescom and follow us on Facebook at Five Theses. I'm Cindy Pena. Thank you for listening to the Five Theses podcast.